0: As founder or entrepreneur, what you want to aim for is monopoly. A capitalist is someone who's in the business of accumulating capital. A world of perfect competition is a world where all the profits are competed away.
1: Hello Grey Wolves. Hello subscribers. It's Chapo episode 19. We're back again. I'm Will Menica. Joining me is as always Matt Christman. Hello, Governor. <laughs> Still doing his offensive uh, British uh, stereotype and Felix Biederman.
2: Oh, uh, Mr. Mr. Governor. I think that you uh,
1: you ruined that paella. <laughs> we're, yeah, no, we're still going strong with the radio play. Um we've got, got some great feedback to that, including that uh who did that photoshop of the, the playbill for the angry governor featuring all of us? That was fantastic.
2: Was it John White? John White is like always making fucking awesome I don't, shit.
1: I don't think it was John White. I should've I should have prepared, but we'll definitely shout them out um on the uh on the Twitter account and elsewhere because they did a, a bang up job with it. So, uh this is your Premium subscription show for the week It's just a regular show It's episode 19 No guest uh, today, it's just the three of us So, uh, in a way that's even more exclusive, even better No one else fucking up our vibe Just that pure, uncut Chapo What do you say?
2: I mean, really, if you think about it, guests Like, Chapo is the pure Peruvian fish scale. And guests are like the baby laxative And all that shit And like, yeah, we need them for like you know the fuck boys, the weekend warriors who aren't ready for that pure white. But like you guys, you guys that are listening right now, yeah, this, this shit real... will make your face numb, yo. Yeah, but you guys don't. You're you're fucking with that. You want the real yeah. shit?
1: Hell yeah! So um, right at the top of the show, I definitely want to start. Uh, you may have seen on the uh, our Twitter accounts or the Facebook page. We definitely got to start plugging this right now. The Chapo Street Fight live event Going down in Philly On July 28th It's gonna be awesome It's Chapo and Street Fight together For the first time In a batting cage That also doubles as a comedy uh, venue In Philadelphia On the night of Hillary Ascends to her uh, throne of the Democratic Party I mean, if that doesn't sound awesome I don't know what does I imagine that absolutely no Chapo listeners
2: got credentials uh our market research that we have done through sterling draper the same firm that donald trump hired <laughs> shows that 107 percent of you live in your parents basement are depressed on antidepressants trust fund kids on welfare and work at starbucks and are virgins of course so you're not going to be able to make it to the convention but you are going to be able to make it to the batting cage.
1: You can make make it to a BYOB batting cage. $10 at the door, and you'll be getting some live comedy from uh, yours truly and our our brothers uh, from Street Fight, Brian and Brett. We'll be reenacting some of our favorite scenes
0: from The West Wing and House (laughs) of Cards. It's going to be lit.
2: I don't want to spoil things too much, but if you guys are fans of the Emo Kylo Ren account, (laughs) this, by the way, Will did say this is a BYOB venue, but I would like to correct him. It is BYOA, bring your own activists.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's for real. And if you have activists, actually, please do bring it because I want some. But, uh, yeah, definitely for uh, any Chapo heads in Philadelphia, but really anyone in the greater tri-state area, definitely, if you can come out, we'd uh, we'd love to have you and hang out uh, after the show, man, because I, I think it'll be a really good time. Girls only, though.
2: <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. This should go without saying, but I don't think people get it. We're not joking. Only women. We only want women here. I know that's impossible, given that last round of market research shows that two women have ever heard Chapo and it was by
1: accident, but like, let's, come on, let's get it together if you're a fuckboy, like, don't even make eye contact with me don't talk to me. So, um, live in Philadelphia, July 28th. And, uh, we'll keep you posted about all of those details as the date approaches, but you'll be able to buy advanced tickets. I know Brett has, uh, come up with a t-shirt design. You can possibly get the official concert t-shirt as well at some, uh, ludicrously inflated price. So be on the lookout for that as well. So, uh, other than that, um, it's been a, uh, pretty normal week, uh, Britain still hasn't left the European Union. I hope you guys all enjoyed our conversation with Jonathan Shannon about that. But uh, to kick things off for uh, this show, um, I want to go back to the Hamilton well. You know, we sort of... uh, We started out this show, really. I think we really announced ourselves on the map with our strong hating on Hamilton way back in episode two. So it's become something of a beat for us. So obviously when this story came out uh, that the, uh, what is it, the Rockefeller Foundation has pledged six million dollars to make sure that uh, public school students from all across the country will be able to see Hamilton for just ten dollars. Under the hashtag EduHam, uh, we made sure to clock that. So uh, what, what did you guys make of this story? I mean, like in uh,
2: uh, some parts of the South Side of Chicago, poverty rate is as high as 50 percent because of the way that we fund public schools. Uh, teachers cannot even afford books. They can afford desks. There are classrooms where kids just sit on the floor, or stand up. It is literally impossible for impoverished kids to learn in many parts of this country. So knowing this, knowing the complete lack of resources, what is a logical thing to do? You have to take them to a play where a man dresses up like he's on a Sam Adams bottle and raps poorly about the Constitution.
0: Well, I, I believe it was David Roth who pointed out online, on Twitter that – this is the absolute end point of having education reform, quote-unquote, handled by just a bunch of clueless rich dickheads who are totally disconnected from any of the actual issues. So every ed reform principle is some bullshit about, like, appifying or, or marketizing. The same shit that they do in their dumb jobs that that is the reason that they're unjustly, obscenely remunerated. And one of the things these assholes love, besides apps and such, is fucking Hamilton. And so sure, you know, yeah, you can't eat, uh, you don't really have a fixed address, you're surrounded by violence in your day-to-day life that make it almost impossible for you to concentrate on your education. But once you see Thomas Jefferson breakdance, your, your love of learning will be lifelong. I'm just hoping that within two years the NYPD truant office is doing no-knock raids and pepper-spraying kids and dragging them in paddy wagons to their mandatory performance <laughs> in Hamilton.
2: Yeah, like, you They're, need- like,
0: zapping... They're, using, uh, they're, they're loading them into the Robert Rogers Theater with fucking cattle prods. Get in there! You gotta watch Hamilton!
2: Yeah, Hamilton is, like, triumph of the will for people who wear lanyards for a living. Like, they see it, and they're like, oh, my God, this is the pinnacle of the human spirit.
0: I am looking forward to the inevitable remake of Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire, where at the end, uh, Precious's class is given a chance to see Hamilton by a benevolent rich donor, and it cures her AIDS.
2: (laughs) it's like a feeling.
1: There is a faith-healing element to this. And, and, you know, again, we touched on this back in episode two. And, you know, not to draw from the the same well twice, but there is something about Hamilton that the kind of, I don't know, liberal, professional, and media elite in this country find just sort of indescribably edifying to them personally and, of course, by extension to all of the people they project their benevolence upon as well.
0: So... These people, these elite people in media and in the economy and in politics, they're watching as the entire edifice of their own uh, legitimacy as elites has been totally destroyed at this point. And And they know that confidence in them by the masses of people is completely gone. The mechanisms of bettering people's lives that used to make these people feel like they deserved their spot in, on this hierarchy because they are making people's lives better are broken and lives are just getting worse. And they've literally retreated into a fantasy realm where they're rapping with Hamilton or they're on the small council with Tyrion Lannister or they're trading Bomo's with Frank Cards. They're like – they're. we talked – Felix made the joke about St. About Saint El, Saint Elsewhere uh, last time about staring into the – the globe. They're all that. Like, the, they're having a giant, massive, nervous breakdown, and they're all just staring into snow globes.
2: My mentions <laughs> are <laughs> a dumpster of fire. Did, I'm uh, not a crier, but the tears are running down my face. It's a disgrace. I'm Dr. Vox, and I'm
1: Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Felix, did you punch the bursar, sir? Yes, sir, I punched the bursar, sir. But,
2: sir... The the CPD shot the, my student forty eight times or more, but it's all right because I'm going to see Hamilton with, with the lights so bright in the sky. Oh my, an opportunity brought to you by
1: City Bank, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> I personally have no need for Hamilton because I already watch. Turn Washington spies on HBO. Oh no, AMC, and that already has all the same characters from uh, Hamilton, but they're the they right don't race rap. though. But they, they don't rap. Yeah, well, but they're but there, but there's intrigue, you know, and, and it, they're just like
0: they're just watching like,
1: oh. a show about the founding fathers where they're white and don't rap makes you racist. <laughs> you're right. It would be a lot better with uh with everything is better with rapping. Really, you're right, and it has to be rap like that where. It's, you just with no constantly. flow
2: whatsoever. You know the best like '90s rappers were the guys that released albums with like 98 tracks and everything was <laughs> misspelled, like it was Earth E
1: R T H, Fire F Y R E. No, you've uh, no, we we we've cracked the the Hamilton code. Um, so yeah, no. A lot of lucky uh, students will be getting the most exclusive experience you know anyone can possibly get, which is to see Hamilton for ten dollars. Thank you, Rockefeller Foundation. By the way, there will be no more uh, arts programs in uh, any school in America other than the uh, Exeter boarding school. And but, we will um, make sure we will dedicate ourselves to making
0: sure that all of the decent public schools in New York City are rigidly segregated. <laughs> but you get to watch the
2: hip hop musical. Exactly. Let's talk a little about a bit about uh <laughs> segregated NYC schools because this is a few weeks ago, but I really like this story. Jason Jones is uh Jason Jones, if you remember that name he was. A former Daily Show correspondent. Uh, he is
1: the husband of Samantha B, also of the Daily Show. They were the husband and wife uh, Daily Show correspondents. Yeah, if now, you think about it,
2: David Allen Greer's Chocolate News was like Barack Obama. And Samantha B.'s show, that I forgot what it's called, is like Hillary Clinton.
1: Full frontal. Now, I will say before we get into this, I have to be honest. When they were on the Daily Show, I thought they were both uh, very funny.
2: Yeah, I mean, they were they were good. They were, like, I think lesser... I, I mean, Samantha Bee was really funny. I thought Jason Jones was kind of, like, a lesser correspondent. But uh, I think now, the thing they're doing now where they're actively segregating the school and being
1: like, no, it's not racist. We want the right type no, of black okay, people. You, I think that's funnier. <laughs> but like, can you explain the background of, the, of this story? Jason Jones was testifying... Or he, he spoke out at some... Um, a parent a PTA meeting or something like that about an Upper West Side about an Upper West Side public schooling
2: yeah uh, let me read from the article one PS452 parent speaking out against the move is comedian and former Daily Show correspondent Jason Jones who's married to Samantha B. to portray any opposition as classist or racist what he's talking about is opposition towards this uh, city policy to desegregate schools and to open up, them up to more people Uh, To portray any opposition as classist or racist is as bad as it can get, Jones told WNYC. And elsewhere, we are not divided, he said at a public hearing about the proposal. We are absolutely united in wanting what's best for our children. Then encourage fellow parents not to talk to the press about the controversy. So— Yeah, it's very, like, Bull Connor. Like, look, we don't, like, look, we don't want segregation. We just want things exactly as they are.
1: Now jason jones i i suppose is a somewhat recent transplant to the upper west side but uh speaking for myself it is the uh, neighborhood that i was arreared in for the first probably you know quarter century of my life uh, was spent in the uh, upper west side so it's a place i'm very familiar with it's known for being um the most liberal zip code in the united states but it's also one of the most uh, affluent and uh, overwhelmingly white as well.
2: Yeah. um, Like, look, that's just, it's not racist to want to keep the schools that way. You just want things how they are. Like sometimes, sometimes like there's nothing racist about saying, well, aren't two water fountains better than one? (laughs) It's not that they don't want their... kids to be in the
0: same school with black kids. They just want them to be in the same school with a
2: small percentage of the right kind of black kids. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's not right. Like, if you just oh, wait, oh, because I would rather buy uh, Kirkland jeans than Levi's. I'm racist against Levi's. No, I just want the right kind of jeans. I want my Kirkland's. I'm not
0: gonna let my family have inferior jeans.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to let them be exposed to inferior jeans. Only selvage denim in uh, in my family. And if my if my daughter comes home with uh with uh you know a cotton blend, she's she's gone. She's dead to me.
2: Oh wait, hold on. Wait, what's the, is Guys, I think Lin Manuel Miranda is calling in.
1: Oh. Oh, uh, Lin. God, we're getting the big ones. This guys, this is the biggest get. Yeah. Oh, this wow, guy's this a fucking superstar. Huge. Hey guys, I prepared a song about Jason Jones and his school. Oh my god, Lynn, uh, th- this is the greatest honor, a uh, huge honor, huge honor, sir, please. Well, it's actually my honor and uh, I don't know where Felix is, but
2: I consider you and Matt to be just as good as my show, Hamilton, that I wrote and I made. Oh my oh, god. Oh my that is, god. That's <laughs>
0: such a compliment.
2: Oh my god. You hearing that, Dr. <laughs> Vox? Unblack me on Twitter. <laughs> Dr. Vox... Uh, your wife calls me Dr. Vox now. You're back to Mr. Vox. I wrote Hamilton. Do you guys want to hear my song? I would
1: like more than anything in the world, Mr. Manuel All right, Miranda. drum roll please. 2016, New York City.
2: Pardon me, are you Jason Jones, Holmes? Why yes I am. I'm here to procure the right type of guest for my kids' school. The last thing I want to do is wind up as racist, but it doesn't take a racist to say this, that the right type of black kid in my school with my kid, my kid who I named Piper, I could flow with a cipher, but I'm also the author of the Constitution, Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Yay. I mister him. mister Lynn Lin-Manuel Miranda, you, you cannot see me right now but if you would you would take your finger and just gently brush aside the tears that are rolling down my cheeks right now and you would look at me soulfully and i would just know that everything would be is going to be all right in america and that trump is is will be banished forever well that's i mean that's actually that's what i think when i listen to chapo trap house and uh
2: i've also always said that my musical that i invented hamilton is everything
1: about America that Donald Trump isn't? I I couldn't agree with you more. I, I bet I bet I bet Trump doesn't even like Hamilton. No, yeah, I don't like that Hamilton. That the founding fathers—they kept the pants up. They were classy. You were the author of my soul, sir. You're welcome, guys. You're welcome, Miss, Mr. Mr. Lidwinwell Miranda. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: No, thank you, thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs>
1: we will, Hamilton. 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 Oh, hey guys, it, what, what was going on?
0: We just got our fucking doors blown off by Lin Manuel Miranda's amazing new
1: songs. He's Always doing happens. a whole sequel to Hamilton, but like updating it for like the contemporary United States political context. It's amazing. Holy shit, that sounds great! I can't wait. And, and he's gonna, and it's gonna be performed free for every child in America on the new um, TV screens that will be installed in the every classroom in America.
2: It's like, you know, it's really easy for us to get down about things, but if you look at the grand trend, things are getting better in America.
1: Well, uh, in, other, in other news about things that are get, getting better, um, especially in the realm of education, uh, another news story that uh, I clocked this week was... Hillary Clinton announced a plan in which, um, you know, we all know uh, the student loan uh, debt crisis is like a huge albatross that is just like tied around the necks of our generation and is probably going to slow, you know, growth and like home ownership and any kind of like economic stability for, for an entire generation, basically. Um, and Hillary Clinton has actually uh, found a way out of this. And what she has proposed, I'm not making this up, is to forgive the student loans of entrepreneurs or of college students who go on college students who would go on to become entrepreneurs. Do you guys see this story? Because I mean, I mean, this is not a joke. I know it sounds like something we some grim, awful thing we'd make up, but it's actually 100 percent true. And what I want to know is who the fuck is going to keep track of who's an entrepreneur and who's not? Like what counts as an entrepreneur? If you have tweeted at least four times in a given six
0: month period about how homeless people in public are unacceptable and someone needs to fix it, you're an entrepreneur.
1: I mean, this does remind me of Peter Thiel's thing a while ago where he was talking about paying kids not to go to college and just, like, go into startups or whatever.
2: Yeah, but that's smart. I mean, like, it's not like it's a huge bubble where people get a lot of money for bullshit, like we've seen many times before in this exact sector of the economy, and it collapses horribly, and people lose their houses because they invested all their money in things called, like, invent tech. No, it's, like, a good idea. And when I look at the App Store, I look at the App Store every day, of course, uh... I just go in there and I'm trying to download more apps. I've actually like bought more phones so I can store more apps. I have all the iPhones, they're all filled with apps, but it's like, it's not enough. It's not enough apps. There aren't nearly enough. And this this solves two problems, not enough apps and too much student debt.
1: But I mean, this is particularly um, ghoulish because, you know, back in the Democratic primary, uh, when, Bern, one of Bernie Sanders' big things that he was knocked for repeatedly was uh, his call for uh, free college education.
2: We're going to have to have colleges and
0: universities tuition free in the United States of America.
1: like a universal college, like basically free college education at any state university, right? Hillary and a lot of the other Democrats and her supporters said that this was in some way not progressive or hypocritical on Bernie's part because it would essentially be offering free college to rich kids and thus, I don't know, taking away from poor kids in some way even though that they would also go to the same college. Well, and like, rich
0: kids don't go to state
1: colleges anyway. It's stup- it was always a stupid fucking...
0: It was just... You know that they were sitting in some bullpen somewhere and they're like, okay, well we can't, ex- we can't endorse this but how do we say that it's bad in a way that doesn't make us look like the fucking piece of shit we Are and some one of the geniuses she pays five million dollars a year to uh, goes like, Oh, we'll say it's uh, we don't want Donald Trump's kids to get free education. They're like, Fuck yes, and they all celebrated with some fucking Michelobes. It's just a cynical, it's just cynical bullshit.
1: I mean, and it's totally cynical because what this plan to forgive the student debt essentially what she's saying is that we should forgive the student debt of the people that are most likely to actually be able to pay off the student their student loans.
2: Look, a lot of people can say that like making apps is sort of the hobby of rich kids because it just it's a type of bullshit exercise where you think, oh, I'm not going to make any money for at least two years, and only someone who's extremely rich can afford to do that or even be that deluded. But uh, you're wrong, and most app makers pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. Uh, You look at all the people who made apps. Elon Musk invented, like, several apps, and he was so poor growing up that he couldn't even afford a normal name.
0: (laughs) I have to say that I'm very excited about the prospect of kids in high school now adding app creation to the bunch of extracurriculars and shit that their parents are going to make them do so that they can pay off college after they get done. But since they're all like 17 years old, it's going to be 5 million apps about how to, you know, uh, keep your boner from being sh- showing in science class or something.
1: <laughs> but back to like I got a serious note. This to me, like, doesn't this kind of remind you of like this kind of cast sustain like nudgeocracy? that that is now this very much in vogue now no
0: jobs for any of these fuckers the only job anyone's gonna have is if they can fucking scam a bunch of venture capital dipshits into pouring money into their useless product before it's inevitable uselessness is revealed so let's get these fucking idiots to do that
1: instead of
0: just going back to their hometowns and doing a bunch of oxycontin
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, but I mean, it's like it's so depressing to me because it just shows like just a winnowing down of people's, you know, dreams and expectations where it's just like they've given up on the idea that uh, government or the state can offer the means to sort of change your life or, um, you know, better yourself in some way or have a greater amount of freedom and and stability and control over your life. But instead, what it can offer is these kind of pseudo benevolent management of people that like, you know, we can't help these people. What we can do is just kind of poke and prod them into the only acceptable sort of slots that are left for people to fill.
0: Yeah, that's it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, just like we were talking about a number of episodes back, just a H.G. Wells hellscape of, of blackened, pitted, ruined infrastructure of, of cars on blocks and people fighting and fucking in the street and, and eating the last few Flamin' Hot Cheetos that they can scrounge out of gutted Kroger's, and then in the middle of that, a few high-rises of honeycombed tech workers who are all living together in a horrific uh... In a dorm. Dorm rooms fused to their computers.
2: Well, while Matt chooses to see the dark lining of the cloud, I actually choose to see the silvery silvery insides of it. Uh... (laughs) the collapse of individuality in a farly advanced brutal late capitalist neoliberal system will make orgies the norm <laughs>
0: because they have be no yes. fucking privacy Hell exactly. yeah. you'll, you'll all be in one giant like circular uh, couch and that, that looks out onto all of your monitors and you never leave that and so when you get horny you just like just turn to your side and just put your <laughs> dick into the nearest orifice
2: yeah me and jordan Kay and none and a bitch
1: g <laughs> <laughs> I. and this is a real groovy apartment you got here all government sponsored recreational services are clean and
2: efficient. this is exciting I never blew the tiny chrome plated machine that looks like a magical pig with marital aids stuck all over it such as yourself before You'll
1: love it It's a way of life
2: Does that mean
0: maybe later you'll lose me? If you wish we may have a
1: groovy orgy
0: Just me and you I
1: share this apartment Bob dog, he goes all the way. Ever tried oral sex with a miniature rubberized
0: homo replica? No, uh, not yet. Uh, is this him? This is him. Your wish is his command. He likes you. He wants to kiss you always. Just tell him what you want. Really, hi little guy. Think I might get a tiny but exciting blow job. Give me that, give me that low job. Give me that,
2: give me dick, Romeo. Come hey, no, on, give up, blow job. Give me that, give me that low job.
1: Oh man. Uh, moving on in slightly lighter news in the election news, uh, this just came out today. I wanted to allude to it briefly. It was a, an op-ed piece in the Washington Post today, um, called, the title is, I hate Donald Trump, but he might get my vote. And it's, it's by this guy named Jim Ruth. Oh, wow. With a title (laughs) like
2: that, uh, I may not like your article, but I'm guaranteed to give it a click.
1: (laughs) It says, Jim Ruth is a writer and retired financial advisor. So here's the breaking news, folks. Um, A probably very wealthy uh, old white man is going to vote for the Republican candidate this year. But it's played off like this is going to surprise you. Oh, this sounds insane. (laughs) I can't wait to read this. When this came in, they
0: literally did the old stop the presses thing. (laughs) The fucking machines started smoking and the, the, the completed papers flew everywhere and they had to throw them
1: all out. I only want to read. I only want to read a little of this because I think it's a very uh, telling portrait of. I don't know, not the sort of movement conservative Republican, but just like that average kind of Republican. <laughs> and I think this is a very telling portrait of a certain kind of person. So, uh, Jim Ruth writes. Uh, no Trump campaign buttons or bumper stickers for me I'm part of the new silent majority <laughs> Those who don't like Donald Trump But might vote for him anyway and When he says might vote for him anyway Just read that as will definitely yeah, no, vote de- for I him mean, anyway like, Look, the
2: guy's holding out on Ben Sasse Or General Mattis But he's also a pussy who's
1: full of shit Who will do anything you push him to and, Okay, so he says uh, For many of us, Trump has only one redeeming quality He isn't Hillary Clinton he doesn't want to turn the United States into a politically correct, free milk and cookies, European style social democracy where every kid, an adult too, gets a trophy just for showing up. Got okay. Him. It's this everyone gets a trophy thing. And I don't know, maybe I. Maybe I missed this, maybe I'm a little bit too old, but I never remember uh, everyone getting a trophy when I was growing up. Yeah, me neither, but I would like to say, I want a fucking trophy. I want a fucking trophy, I showed up. The guys who get pissed about the trophy, and you know, the trophy is
0: obviously just symbolic, but it basically means these guys have gotten the trophy in life, you know? But they think that they deserve the trophy, and yeah. if anybody else gets the trophy, it demeans the value yes. of the trophy. Yes.
1: Here is the uh, – now listen to the next paragraph. He writes, members of this new silent majority, many of us who are front wave baby boomers, value hard work and love the United States the way it was. So, yeah, again, just typical awful uh, boomer just expropriate this entire generation in my opinion take their trophies and give it to fucking me because I showed up and I have to live in the fucking world that these assholes created we hate
0: we let we, we hearken back to the, um, to the racial hierarchy of those days but the sort of egalitarian economic structure no thank you <laughs> well Your he said density and uh high minimum
1: wage and all that stuff no 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 thank you no. he says he says please don't try to stereotype us <laughs> yeah what the what the fuck are you gonna do about it old man he says we're i mean he is a fucking stereotype he says we're not uneducated uninformed unemployed or low-income zealots we're affluent well-educated gainfully employed and successfully retired Uh, Yeah, this is this is the entire generation of people who have fucking won at life because they were given everything in a way that In the way that nobody of our age could ever dream of Yeah, shit to get that fucking trophy. He was born white in the middle of the
0: 20th century Which is basically the the luckiest people in the history of the world. He had nothing to do with that What is his job again? Financial consultant? He's a writer and financial advisor financial advisor made up bullshit (laughs) non-job that
1: did nothing to contribute to anybody's life in his entire fucking... No, no, Matt. You say that, but he says some of us even own our own businesses or did did before we retired, creating not only our own job, but also employment for others. We're fiscally conservative, but we're not Tea Partiers, and on certain social issues, many of us even have some leftward leanings. Shh. Yeah, he actually keeps the shh in this this article. article. Yeah,
0: because socially conservative uh socially liberal fiscally conservative that's not a fucking endemic belief among shitheaded uh incredibly uh self-satisfied white assholes the world over like no this, he's like he's like this hi- ideology has been kept alive by samizat publications of shit just the ne plus ultra of white maleness in america in the last 50 years because these guys have had their entire lives fucking handed them on a platter all through the machinations of of government and private industry, but all of it invisible to them. So they all go around thinking that they actually fucking deserve any of this shit.
1: I mean, he goes on and on about why he finds Trump personally distasteful, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you you can guess, but there's just um – (laughs) <laughs> There's one other uh, paragraph that I, I want to read because it's hilarious. He says, our view of the media is old school, too. Just the facts, please. Before his untimely, <laughs> before his untimely death some years ago, Tim Russert of Meet the Press. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Fucking sta- guy <laughs> <laughs> Set this. St- <laughs> set the standard for fair and balance by grilling both Democratic and Republican politicians in a way that never betrayed his personal political persuasions. And also never elucidated a single fucking issue. That still works fine. It's just damn hard to find. Yeah, this is the Tim Russert who we now know from like uh, leaked White House emails in the Bush administration that Dick Cheney viewed as his personal press agent and he would say constantly get us on Meet the Press because we that, that's the venue that we can get our message." out about weapons of mass destruction in iraq yeah tim russert gave him them to hard grilling on that
2: this is is
0: his idea of grilling the thing that these guys had this bonus for is because he'd be like well five years ago you said that you were in favor of increasing the oil depletion allowance by four and a half percent over five years but just last week you said you're in favor of increasing it three percent
2: got him (laughs) <laughs> Got him! Yeah, this is this is like Carl Diggler with CTE. it Doesn't even have like the art of Carl asking for foot pictures. This is like the worst fucking thing I've ever read.
1: No, this guy. I mean, again, that that's it. I just want to tell briefly. I I do have a Tim Russert anecdote that's very telling. Uh, at my college graduation, the commencement speaker was Tim Russert. This
2: Some is- guys have all the luck.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, he went up there for about twenty minutes and told some of the most told uh, some canned anecdotes about Mary Matlin and James Carvel. I know we mentioned them before. He told them anecd- he told some Washington anecdotes and then did his like big Russ style. Uh, you know, Americans are all the same, and we just need the hard work ethic of my Buffalo loving father or whatever. Yeah,
0: the hard work ethic it takes to fucking haul your gigantic balloon head in front of the TV camera for an hour a week.
1: Okay, so here's the punchline. Uh, We have this ridiculous commencement speech that I have no doubt my college probably spent at least 40 grand on. Here's the punchline, though. Uh, So that night you know, I'm, I'm at a dinner with uh, my family and uh, so, some other friends and their family, and we're at a restaurant in uh, in Saratoga, and um, the, you know, there's a TV over the bar, and the local news comes on, and we see you know it playing over the bar, and we just see the headline: Tim Russert speaks at college commencement address, and we go, oh, okay, they'll have the, we'll, we'll see something of the uh, the commencement from uh, earlier this afternoon. <laughs> when the story comes on. It's about how Tim Russert gave the commencement address at Union College as well, which is 20 minutes down the I-87. So this motherfucker, th- this potato head grifter, just cleaned out two universities, giving the same speech for probably a hundred grand for all told, maybe about an hour's worth of work. So in a way, I gotta respect it. But that's the that's the old school uh, work ethic of America's greatest journalist, Tim Russert. And he
0: instilled it on his son, who is by far the most uh, <laughs> penetrating and insightful voice in Washington uh, political press, no question.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, like it's just it's like trickle down integrity, if you think about it.
1: But here's the thing: I mean, I, I think this is telling because this Jim Ruth guy. I guarantee you, like we've always we've said many times before on this show. A month ago, this Jim Ruth guy was like, never Trump. He was like, you know, tweeting at Bill Crystal like, thank you, sir. You're fighting the good fight. <laughs> yeah. But now, of course, of course, he's going to vote for Trump. I mean, what else is he going to do? Right. I mean, what have we always said about these people? They're fucking
2: pussies. They won't do. They'll never do anything that they say they will do. They are talkers, not doers. None of them.
0: And like even a guy like Hugh Hewitt, who had been uh, pretty resistant to Trump, oh, has yeah. now been offering him some really sharp advice, which just shows that that the as much as the sort of uh, center left establishment has retreated into the fantasia of Hamilton and Game of Thrones, so has the right. Because he had an amazing tweet last night about how is this Hugh Hewitt? Yeah, about how if Trump were to announce general. John Mad Dog Mattis Hell yes Brilliant As his Secretary of Defense Designate He would pull even With Hillary And if he made Tom Cotton That's right Oh my god His Vice President He would be in the lead when there is not, there are not a handful of people in America who know who either of those fucking guys are.
1: Well, I think, I think there are people currently serving in the armed forces who have no fucking clue who General Mattis is.
2: And I'd say that more than half the people in Arkansas don't know who the fuck Tom Cotton is. What are you talking about? He's Mad Dog Mattis. He's crazy. <laughs> like everyone knows him. He's like he's like in the, he's like in all the he's the warrior monk. He's like I mean
0: like, he's the guy who like got a, he drank a bunch of. Uh, of, of like blood lights in front of some some uh, media guys one time and swore a bunch. And
1: yeah, they that, just they fucking came in their pants, man. He's been their dads ever since. Yeah. yeah,
2: I mean he's also intelligent. Like he read Rich Dad Poor Dad and all the other great uh, Western intellectual traditions. Like he's brilliant. Like I by like. The way- all, I, by the way, all every journalist. By the way. Like, from what I've seen with, like, Mattis and Jim Webb before him, and, like, every just, and every military guy betray just name any you like, uh, they, they're they all, like, subs. They all want to be, like, dombed, because they're baby boomers and Gen Xers, but their parents fought in Korea in World War II, and they're always, they're just always fucking disappointed, like, just disappointments to their laconic dads who have horrible PTSD and shit, but... When they get to, when they see, like, Mattis, that's their dad, and they just want to impress him. Even though, like, Mattis is probably a sociopath who's killed thousands of people, and just, like, if he sees... What do you think that Mattis sees when he meets, like, I don't know, like, fucking... Yeah, 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 Luke Russert. What do you think when he sees that guy? Like, pussy. He, I used to he, fuck he, guys he, like
1: you back in Nam. He, he just sees, like the terminator it's just like target select yeah. pacify exploit I uh, sorry just just one last bit on this. this one last digression. oh he hasn't come up on the show before I think but Hugh Hewitt is extraordinary there's something wrong with his face there's something wrong with his face like i it, it's really hard it, it's it's disquieting it's uncanny like he looks like he looks like a pod person from invasion of the body snatchers <laughs> that the pod hatched too soon before it fully copied, yeah. Smooth tube. It's like somebody photoshopped him. Only he's walking around. He's a and disconcerting
2: looking man. Like if Hugh Hewitt like left DC or New York, like someone would immediately go up to him and be like, "Sir, are you okay?"
1: <laughs> but my favorite when you listen to his show is like he'll have like like main he'll have like I guess essentially like mainstream media you know journalists on like I I don't know. Chris Eliza or any of these other, you know, milk sops that we talk about. And he'll just, like, pepper them with questions about, like, uh, the Rosenbergs or something. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, like, Whitaker Chambers or something like that. <laughs> just try to, try to pin them down. And then, like, they'll be like, okay, um, interesting about entitlement reform. Uh, next question, sir. Are you familiar with the hidden imam? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he'll, like he'll, it's so weird. Like, he'll try to pepper that, like, you know, just sort of, like, pin them down with these kind of like obscure things to sort of like catch them out to be like oh well I, you know actually I support Sharia law in America like no I'm, I'm not familiar with the uh, this apocalyptic strain of Shia Islam
0: he tried I, to I, own he tried to own uh, Trump really early in the campaign with one of those like oh let's give him let's ask him some history questions
1: oh but the uh, but the nu- nuclear triad or something yeah, Trump's yeah. like oh, yeah, I love the triad dude the triad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey I'm against Ch- the Chinese mafia I've always been against the triad I never had any good dealings with them.
0: Of course, Hugh Hewitt was probably sitting there in he was his like, ah.
2: the smugness, like ah, "I got him." And of course, no one on earth gave a fuck, right? No, the, all the debates were like that because every question, every time they would ask a similar question to another candidate, like people forgot how psychotic the just the moderate Republican platform is because they would ask Jeb, and he'd be like, uh, I, "I think it's time to poison the Ayatollah." <laughs> I, we, we we just had it
0: uh, targeted assassinations of foreign leaders. Love it, brother. <laughs> got to have it. Got to have
2: it. Got to have surprises, brother.
1: <laughs> to to move on, uh, last thing we're going to do on uh, this week's show, um, we got we have a we have an entry for the reading series, and uh, this is a good one. It got a lot of burn um, online over the past couple weeks, and uh, I, I think it's worth highlighting. It is a it is from our favorite publication, The Federalist. You know it's going to be good. The title of the article is Men Did Greater Things When It Was Harder to See Boobs. The subheadline is To Make America Great Again, We May Need to Make Seeing Boobs Rare Again. Uh, the author of this article is Amy Otto, and she is another conservative dime for sure. She begins um, While some have made the case that Kim Kardashian uh, and her friend uh, Emily Ratajkowski, you know, the uh, the Bernie the Bernie babe, right, from uh, the Blurred Lines video and Gone Girl, have quote, made boobs boring. Breasts are in fact so potent that they may be hastening our decline. Breasts and female nudity have always been eye-catching to positively distracting, depending on your sex. The sheer boobitude immediately available to either through online porn, Kardashian's Twitter feed, and Tinder, otherwise known as Uber for boobs, has rapidly accelerated to the point that men have stopped creating because there are so few obstacles to seeing them. Again, like every Federalist article, it's about... 10,000 words and there's like three different subsections the first of which is called giving sex for free destroyed men's motivation and this is sort of like the uh, Dave Chappelle joke about how if a man could fuck a woman in a box he wouldn't need a house yeah no yeah no this
2: is like this is like uh they talk about it in Comptown like it's a hack a like a hack deaf comedy
1: jam thing like yeah. yo you got you got a fucking mortgage between your legs girl <laughs> Uh, she says, uh, "Men, all, men used to marry younger and in larger numbers to lock down their very own real life." We gotta
0: control that pussy, son. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he says, "Now, why bother doing the decent work of marrying and raising a family if you can swipe right and see a new pair every night?" Quote, 70% of American males between the ages of 20 and 34 are not married, and many live in a state of perpetual adolescence with the ominous consequences for the nation's future, says Janice Shaw Krause, author of Marriage Matters. Uh, Yeah, this is this whole thing where, like, of course, the Federalist is obsessed with this idea that people are marrying later and having less kids. Uh, Because like any uh, increasingly prosperous and modern society, that is just a fact of life. But they, they see, a, you know, a dire future in that because essentially it means de facto there will be more brown people in America. I mean, she again,
2: says, these, I want to reiterate, these are the not racist conservatives. <laughs> the Trump
1: people are the only is, racist yeah. ones. <laughs> she says, okay, in a bizarre gambit to gain equality, women gave away a ton of the power they had accumulated in society. They held a majority of the cards in sexual relationships and facing a royal flush, decided to fold. Women used to set the cultural standards and parameters for intimate activity. Now, often guys wield more power over sex, and the girls are working way too hard, way too soon, for no reciprocity. More widely available hookups have made men less likely to commit. Okay, what I like about this line is she says that women have, uh, in the course of, in the name of feminism or the, you know, the pill or career, have given up all the power they held in society, which was just access to sex right so it's just like all the power you had as a sex object you gave up to um make money and do stuff on your own I guess like women
0: had it best when it was like uh like uh, uh, one of those Dagwood cartoons the, uh, where like she's like, like are you going to clean the kitchen? And he's like, oh, that's – no. And then she's like – gives him a look and she's got her legs crossed and then the next panel is he's sweating and cleaning <laughs> the kitchen. And it's like, <laughs> yep, that was the acme of female autonomy is when they could make men just do petty – their husbands do petty shit by, by denying them sex. No. Although that contrasts pretty dramatically with the Dennis Prager thesis – on what women should do in terms of sex and right. marriage.
1: And now, if 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 Amy Ott were on the show, I think what she would say is that the sexual revolution has made women into sex objects, but the difference is they've made them into cheaper sex objects. Where it used to be, if you had a good, pristine, untouched sex object, you could get like a, a strong dowry, and you know you could advance yourself socially. It depended on your husband for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean,
0: yeah, you could get him to like stop smoking cigars in the living room by telling him he couldn't get laid that night.
2: I mean, if you think about it, um, who is more empowered than women who are in harems?
1: <laughs> okay, so it it goes on and on and on, and there's like graphs in this article about how you know, if if men are allowed their run of uh, sexually available women, then you know I. I it's not it's not worth getting into but there is this thing about how we're
0: not gonna like create uh cold fusion or go to mars yeah she's saying
1: that like yeah like men are mostly about
0: how women can't get guys to do the dishes anymore as opposed to men aren't going to build you know the next uh you know the the next great invention or something
1: so it goes on and on and on but uh there (laughs) this is this is this is my favorite part at the end she says This may sound a bit Trump-esque, but to make America great again, we may need to make seeing boobs rare again. Men did great things often in pursuit of women. (laughs) Here's her example of this, and it's fucking brilliant. Eric Clapton, in desperate love with... (laughs) (laughs) Eric Eric Clapton in desperate love with George Harrison's wife Patty wrote the famous rock anthem Layla in pursuit of her men used to be rewarded with attention from women based on their accomplishments (laughs) so there's, there's two things I love about that First, this notion that Eric Clapton didn't see uh didn't get to second base before 1970. Yeah, he was this pissed off
0: incel and he's like in cream and they're like destroying yeah. the Hammersmith Ballroom and then he's afterwards like that's going to do it and just can't get anywhere. Yeah. It's yeah. like goddamn it, I haven't written the perfect song yet. But the, yeah, yeah, these women like, are this just is too very, much, This
2: these, is very like, Zach, <laughs> this is very Zack Snyder universe where we're going back to the most powerful being of all is the incel. Like Eric, Eric Clapton he didn't write anything better after that. So he wrote Layla.
0: He finally got laid, and then no. he just he got, all he could do. What, what did he do? He did an
1: instrumental version thirty years ago. He, he was in. He was in Cream. I mean, he was so. <laughs> God, her
2: thesis has been proven. Eric Clapton was so
1: complacent after
2: he got laid that he just like left windows open all over the place.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I just There's seems like
2: the thesis that she's.
0: Driving at really is not is that it should be impossible for men to get laid yeah yeah, yeah. offer them the opportunity but you could never actually be consummated no well, right. Eric Clapton
1: Eric Clapton became a fucking asshole after he got pussy Why? Wow, she's right I lo- the idea that Eric Clapton was like you know yeah he was in cream they would go backstage do like a termite colony of cocaine and then he'd be like, "These birds are just too modest, mate. i have getting no action." But the second thing that I, this is actually my favorite thing about this is, is that she uses Layla, the fucking squarest fucking, <laughs> the, the worst rock anthem ever. It's just, I, it is the squarest fucking thing ever. Yeah, like, this is this and, is this like a Homer... pinnacle of, of 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 like what what Western culture produced back when it was harder for men to get laid was fucking Layla. Yeah, this is like when Homer tried
2: to make "Uptown Girl" his protest song.
0: <laughs> it is like that. <laughs> Who can forget when uh, when Lawrence Welk couldn't get laid in uh, North Dakota, and uh, just out of just sheer incel will created the Lawrence Welk Show.
2: I mean, if you think, look at how good art used to be, like when guys couldn't get laid, they made amazing things, like the jazz singer. Uh, <laughs> she uh, didn't even use the, the pleasant afternoon, the unfuckable Dollard's great museum, like <laughs> all the classic movies that we know and love happened because no one fucked until they were thirty.
1: She didn't even use the 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 moon. No, the, oh, well, no, they fucked at eighteen, but that was because they got married. Like she didn't even use the moon landing. That like you know John Glenn married young and only had one. Wife, he only had one wife his entire life, or something, and he and he walked on the moon. Okay, how does that? But if you if he was already getting laid when he got on the
2: moon, how did going to the moon motivate him to get laid? I, because his I, wife, his wife is like, she did the Dagwood thing where he's like, I don't want to go to the moon, and she's like, Uh uh-uh, ah, you ain't, you ain't getting none of this.
1: Yo, fellas, she's got a fucking Saturn V rocket between her legs. Dude, all the all the American GIs that uh, did the Normandy landing were just hoping to get laid from loose French women. That's why they beat Hitler. Yeah.
0: That is true, yeah. But the, speaking of the moon landing, I mean, the moon landing happened partially because of the creation of NASA and the commitment of uh, President Kennedy, who we all know had an incredibly difficult time getting laid. <laughs> he
2: couldn't do it, yeah. President Kennedy... Like he didn't fuck. He only had sex four times. Maybe
0: if uh, we go to the moon, uh, Jacqueline will finally give me a hand job.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Ich bin I'm incel. (laughs) Kennedy Kennedy was a pal from Pal's Bad Wife series of tweets. (laughs) He's like, ah, Jacqueline Jacqueline is going to Kenny Bugport. I have 47 minutes. I can jack off and play Halo.
1: So uh, uh, one more cut here because in, in researching this, I always have to click uh, like like the, the the name link to see what other articles she wrote for the Federalist, and I, you know, I found one other amazing article from Amy Otto. This may be even better. This is from uh, 2015, but you, you guys are going to love this. The title of the article is "How the New York Times Cultural Imperialism Influenced Its Marco Rubio Hits." She doesn't link to the New York Times article, so I don't know what she's talking about. This is linked to under humor so I don't know if she's being serious or not, but basically she says the New York Times uh, had an erroneous focus on Marco Rubio's finances and it revealed how a particular monoculture within their institution moves such pieces to print.
0: Oh, I don't know what she's talking about. There was this whole article that actually got a lot of criticism where it pointed out how much, how he, Rubio is in personal debt.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, as any expert on diversity is aware of the very differences in how cultures perceive time. As an Anglo-European focused culture, the New York Times staff heavily applied a monocultural, chronochromatic cultural perspective to Rubio's polychronic outlook. To the Times, life and acquiring goods should be in a single line, with each purpose purchase begetting the next. The focus on achievement then reward with little concern for family or community ties is culturally narrow. Worse, it means that only those with wealth should act as if they have wealth, which will suppress aspiration among those not yet wealthy. And she goes on to compare monochronic and polychronic cultures. And the whole point of this article is that she's saying the New York Times is hating on Marco because he runs on CP time, basically. Yeah, no, dude, this is awesome. This this woman is like conservative bad Dominicana. She has cornered the race and sex science market for yeah, the Federalists. Yo, I'm
2: so- talking ta- about, people talking about Marco Rubio Campano speedboat. They're talking about colonial time. <laughs> My ancestors <laughs> came to me in a dream and said, you have to buy a speedboat before you pay off your debt.
1: I don't know. <laughs> That's indigenous. These, they could have a good time together. Yeah, they could. They have the exact same values. They exact have the same outlook. Because remember when Bad Dominicana was saying, like, you know... Like, uh, men ain't worth shit. You can't do shit for me. At least, the, at least the men in my community, like, give us money to get our hair done, even if they, like, punch you in the face every now and again. <laughs> no, she literally said that. So I think uh, her and Amy Otto have a, have a lot well, like, dude,
2: And Bad Dominicana also said that people with indigenous blood can't learn math. <laughs> so, like, congratulations is what I'm saying to Bad
1: Dominicana for her future job at The Federalist. Yeah. He said she says polychronic cultures are more conscious of past and present than future. Polychronic cultures include Latin American, e.g. Cuban, Middle Eastern, Asian, French and Greek cultures.
0: <laughs> a coherent uh, cultural matrix there. <laughs> I mean, it's a random bunch of bullshit.
2: Look, I've never heard of this, but that doesn't mean it's just a complete crank theory that an asshole made up.
1: Well, again, I, I have to issue the qualifier that this is listed under humor in the Federalist. So this could be an elaborate put on by Amy where she's um, showing that the, she's pretending to be woke by and accusing the, But but she is saying Mar- Marco runs on CP time. She is. is yeah, yeah. Anyway. So, anyway, Amy Otto. Uh, Amy, another, can you please a, come another, right to the cafe? Another gem at the Federalist. Yeah. Ladies, stop showing your boobs. We got to move forward as a culture. I, we're, we're never. <laughs>
0: this Earth is dying. We need to get to Mars. We're never going to get to Mars if we keep seeing
2: your tits.
1: I, don't put them on the glass. You Think about ladies. it. King Kong. King Kong
2: ruled Skull Island. King Kong meets a girl and he dies.
1: Yep. Yeah. The tale is old as time. Yeah. Case closed. So. I think that just about wraps it up uh, Felix you have, I think you have something you need to uh, plug as well oh yeah that's right alright so everybody
2: I promise this is the last podcast I will be hosting for on a weekly basis for a very long time at least a month but coming out this <laughs> Friday the Carl Diggler podcast the Digcast begins and we our first guest is Alex Perrine the editor-in-chief of Gawker this is actually the first interview he is given So uh, please, like and subscribe because I would like to advance through the corporate structure and eventually take over the fascist USAID CENTCOM cover agency that is CAFE. So let's do it, guys.
1: Eventually, Felix will host every podcast. Yeah. (laughs) But um, yeah, be on the lookout for the DigCast. We will be back on Monday with a brand new show, the free show for everybody. And uh, who are our guests, Felix? Our guests are two
2: friends of mine, Jordan Breen, the executive editor of SureDog.com, and Tomas Rios, the senior sports editor of Vocative, two friends of mine that I have met through MMA Twitter, and we are going to educate you, the audience, who is afraid to watch sports because it triggers your unreality issues about MMA.
1: It's gonna be a it's gonna be a jock heavy show, folks. But um, uh, you, I honestly don't like know it.
0: what I'm gonna say because I don't follow fist sports ball, as I call it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All
0: right, guys. Um, oh, one one other thing. I, I looked it up. The guy who made the amazing upset governor Photoshop was at NKVD's nuts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> everybody follow D's nuts. Yeah. All right. Till Monday. See you guys Thank later. You. Peace. Bye-bye.